Welcome to the Choice Happens Podcast, where you can choose different, do different, and become the person you say you've always wanted to be. Here's your host, Emily Carpenter. Hey, Ben. Welcome to Choice Happens. Hey, Emily. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You know, we met um, maybe a month ago or so at a, a healer's retreat, and I didn't really get a chance to talk to you a whole lot there, but you know, we did have some nice inspirational conversations. And from what you, what I know of what you do with your clients and helping them, I wanted, I knew I wanted to have you be a guest on my show. And also after that, you know, talking to you, I learned a lot more about you that I never knew. And so I want to share that with everybody. So I'd like to just get your, you know, like who is Ben Aresti and where, you know, like what got you to where you are and what are you doing now? Mm, thanks. Oh man, who is Ben Aresti? I think I'm still trying to figure that one out. (laughs) 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 Um, but, uh, a little bit of my story is I grew up in New Jersey, 29 years old. Um, the family and the lifestyle that I grew up in, um, was, uh, of, of financial affluence and, um, my experience in that lifestyle was a level of discomfort that I didn't realize until later in my life, um, what was actually me being uncomfortable. I think from the outside, um, you know, I have this laugh and, uh, I have a, a way of connecting with people authentically and, there's a, there's an ability to um, maybe make it seem like everything's okay on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, I utilized substance, um, food, drugs, alcohol, and sex as well uh, to hide from this emotional discomfort that I was feeling. And so from a young age, I, it was food, you know, anything from sweets to junk food, fast food, all those kinds of things. Um, and then it transitioned as I got older into, uh, you know, smoking pot here and there and then excessively doing amounts of cocaine and um, actually recently uh, getting more involved with escorts and uh, into kind of the sex worker industry. and. Um, understanding that there is a a human need for me to have intimacy and touch. Um, and at the same time, um, am I sourcing that from a place of authenticity, which is ultimately what, uh, what Yitzera and the coaching work and, uh, what it is that I'm trying to bring to the world, um, is, is here to teach. And so that's something that I'm constantly checking in on is, uh, where am I being authentic? And so, um, yet Sarah is your coaching business, right? Yeah. So yet Sarah is, uh, an umbrella company to, I'm a very creative person. I like building and creating things. I've also been doing that since a young age from, uh, wood shop and, and art projects in that sense to, uh, you know, being a professional chef for 15 years and creating plates and, and food in that way. Um, and then recently I've gotten more into music and writing and performing and, and all of that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as like 
the the act of building and creating um yeah that's that's kind of where uh where Yitzera as an umbrella um its mission is helping people help themselves and so in that context we're creating space and oftentimes people think of space as a literal location um but not to get too you know woo woo <laughs> what we're talking about is more of the energetic space being held between two people or a group of people right and so this is what happens between me and my coaching clients um this is what happens between uh me and and the people that I'm performing in front of musically or cooking or providing nourishment through food with mm. um there is some sort of energetic field being created in that and that's that's what Yitzera's main mission is so we've just created a, a subsector called Elevate and their uh, social dining experiences. And their, their main focus is food as medicine and nutrition, as well as sound as a way of healing. So we're, we're working at uh, creating these experiences that people can, can come to and, and socialize and connect authentically um, around food and music. So right now it's a three-part template. Um, the first part being, uh, what we're calling an open circle. It's a, it's a topic or theme based conversation for the group to have. And then mm -hmm. we transition into a family style dinner. And as much as I've enjoyed, you know, plated food and the, you know, the artistic kind of adventure of that, um, for me, I think food now is more about community and sharing and how to, how to have that together um, because there's so much more to food than just what it looks like and what it tastes like, which ultimately is how does it make us feel and what is right. it doing to our bodies. Um, yeah, I love that then, community aspect too of food. I mean, that's what that's how we started out as human beings was sharing food or maybe fighting over food to, because there maybe wasn't always enough, but there was this community and we had to work together for everyone to be able to have enough. So, yeah. and then coming together and having meals together where now we're so separate all the time that we may have lost the art of conversation over a meal. So yeah. I love that you're bringing that all together as a group and that you're able to teach people how to do something they may have forgotten or maybe never knew. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. It feels, it feels really right. And, um, yeah, thanks. Hmm. So tell me more about the, um, the food. So you said, you mentioned that you had, you know, that you sometimes turn to food for things or that you did as a, as a kid at a young age. And then you mentioned being a chef for 15 years. How does that, and now you're doing these um, healing meals with people. How has that progression happened? Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, growing up in, uh, in, in the lifestyle that I did, I think a lot of what I experienced being the youngest of three and um, somewhat of a chaotic lifestyle, um, mm -hmm. everything was fast-paced and trying to get somewhere and as kids going, you know, to, you know, my sister ballet and my brother, different things. And I had sports games and all these things. We were always on the run. And so it was like in the car, what were we eating? And that's kind of foundationally what 
what I was putting in my system. And, mm. um, and I think that part wasn't so, so toxic from, from my standpoint. It was more about how was, I, how was my relationship to food and eating those things um, being observed or, or, uh, or, you know, where was the level of awareness in that? And for me, it was just stuffing my face. I mean, that's yeah. literally what was happening. And so then I started to notice, like, I would hide things like candy bars in my drawers. And, you know, that's a level of sneakiness and something that I was hiding from um, in my relationship to food. And so I didn't realize this until later. When I turned 25, this is back in 2013, my dad passed away. And at the time, I had just opened up a restaurant up in Napa with another chef friend of mine. And, uh, and I had had a history of drug and alcohol abuse. And from an outsider's perspective, I seemed as though I had my shit together. Um, but from my own perspective, it, it felt very messy and, uh, and dependent. Mm. And so, um, I think these are, these are things that I started to notice when my dad passed. Um, it actually got worse before it got better. Um, and I stayed at the restaurant for another eight months. And there was a moment when, I mean, I'll literally never forget this. Like I, I woke up, uh, you know, being at the restaurant at 9am for, for prep and, and check in and all that stuff. Um, I woke up at about 8.30, maybe 8.45. My face was up against my iPad. At the time, I would blow cocaine off of my iPad. And, and I just like woke up. There was a mound of cocaine right in my face. I chopped up a line. I blew it. I took a shower and I went to work. Wow. And that was also the same day that I decided to put my two weeks notice in. Mm. Because I realized like this is not... I'm not going to survive like this. And there's something inside of me that feels bigger and I need to, I need to honor this. And, um, and I say it this way now at the time, I wasn't even really that aware of what was going on. I was really like miserable <laughs> and exhausted and yeah. just knew that I needed to get the fuck out of there. So that's what happened. Um, and I ended up taking uh, the next three and a half years uh, living in a small beach town in Northern California, uh, Stinson Beach. It's got like a population of under 200 people. And uh, the amount of like healers that I met there, mentors, teachers, people that, I, that I'm still in touch with and, and hopefully always will be in my life. Hmm. Um, I had a, an opportunity to understand what it is to really feel held and connected to nature, um, being on the beach and having hiking and all of those things. It was also a small town and it, there was a sense of community there that I had never witnessed. Mm. I mean, I grew up in this like massive house and, you know, it was, it was very disconnected from, from a sense of community. It was like right. all these houses had what everybody wanted in their own little dream in them and nobody mm -hmm. was sharing unless they were invited over for a dinner or a fundraiser or something like that. Um, where this town was like, my neighbors would have eggs and we would go, you know, anytime I went, what we said, like over the hill, 
to Mill Valley to get things, we would check in with each other and say, hey, do you need anything or do you need a ride or nice. things that like I just never experienced. And right, you don't get that sense of community at a dinner party where you're putting on <laughs> your best, you know, you're putting on your best clothing and, you know, you're making yourself look the best and sound and act <laughs> your best. And it's not really, like you said, you can look great on the outside, but on the inside, you could be dying inside, you know? And so yeah. having that community where you can actually call on each other in your lower points or at any point is a much different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. So yeah, I feel like how I've gotten to the place that I've gotten to, I mean, the, the real answer is through experiencing life. And staying open to uh, what is what is actually being offered to me. How am I learning these things? And um, I feel really grateful for my ability to connect with people. It feels like a, a superpower of sorts. Uh, <laughs> I think I I have a way of connecting quickly and authentically with people, um, which is which is really why I love the coaching work that I do as well. Um, because it allows for that space and, um, and it's, it's really powerful. It's amazing to see, uh, how, or when people feel, uh, comfortable in a space, how, how open they can be and, and how transformative that can be for them right. and, and me as well. Yeah. You can almost see them, you know, um, change their like their whole demeanor when they realize that you're not going to judge or um, try to change them in any way. I mean, it sounds like that's what you're doing for people. You're just giving them a space to be authentic and be themselves so that they can find out what that means. They may not have experienced that level of acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and, you know, there's a focus for us around food. There's clients that I've worked with around literally cooking with them in, mm. in a kitchen because there's a level of uh, fear or anxiety around cooking or, or providing for themselves or girlfriends or family in, in that way. Yeah. Um, so there is like a, it's not just an open conversation all the time. There's more intentionality and we always start with, um, you know, what, where are you currently at and where do you want to be? And so part of my role as the coach is to observe what it is that you're going through and how you're seeing it and offer a new way of seeing it and tools so that we can start to bridge that gap. Mm. And um, it feels like magic. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it is magic in a sense, right? Yeah, totally. I feel like there was an original question around uh, food and how I've gotten there. And so I do want to get back to that. If yeah, that's okay. I would love that. Yeah. So there's this, there's this piece around food. It's so amazing. I, I, the way that I've been saying it recently is like, I actually think that my relationship to food and cooking is one of the deepest loves that I have in mm. my life. And I say that because I have also hated the shit out of it. <laughs> this isn't a Hallmark card. Right. You know, this is something where at a young age, I was obsessed with the fire and the, the drug abuse and the cursing and the tattoos and the, the chaos of a kitchen to never wanting to touch a knife again. 
<laughs> and realize- Tell us about that. Yeah, I want to hear about how that dichotomy happens, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can relate a lot to it, but I'd like to hear your, your experience on that. Yeah, totally. Well, I, you know, at 14, 15, 16, 17, I was in cafes, kind of lighthearted, fun, uh, beachy town kind of, uh, of cooking settings. And, and it was fun. It really got me curious about what is this. And then I went to school uh, in, um, in Arizona University for a year. And, uh, and I realized that wasn't the path for me. So I decided to come back and work in a kitchen that I had been in for a couple years already. And my boss at the time said, hey, you know, why don't you check out culinary school? Hmm. So I said, all right, I'll give it a go. So I went to a French Culinary Institute in, um, in Soho, New York, and it was right up my alley. It was like six months, quick learning, hands-on. Mm. Um, it taught me that that is how I learn, which is something that the, the school system never taught me. It was mm. always kind of judging me or grading me on how I wasn't doing well. Um, right. And so then I, I went into... Um, I went into this whole culinary scene of private chefing, ultimately because uh, I felt like that was an area where I was going to connect more authentically with my clients. Mm. And the reality was that was a lie. But I'm excited that I got to, ch- to choose that and try it. Um, but at that level, you know, I was working for, you know, billionaires, celebrities, and, and doing that for a while. Like, there's there there were a lot of nice amazing people that i worked with and at the same time there's a level of like staff and you work for them that there isn't a total connection between you and their food and so um i i really think what ended up happening was i was worn out i really i pushed myself and and to to live that lifestyle just to give some context like it was just me cooking for anywhere from 10 to 12 uh, crew members. And then we would also have um, anywhere from like 15 guests at a time to 40 guests for a, for a random party. Mm. Um, and th- th- that would mean that I had to cook five different meal times in one day every day. Wow. So that's two meals for the crew and three meals for the for when the guests. Sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's I think where drugs came in amazingly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like, keep you awake, right? Totally. And like espresso shots all day. You know, it was like just sure. going for it. And um, and I had a blast. Like there was no part of that at the time that wasn't fun. And then I just hit a point where it wasn't fun, mm. and it became really unfun. And so. I left and I decided to uh, take the summer off and, and travel. At the time, I was based out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, working on yachts. And I traveled across the country in, in my pickup truck and I had kitted it out to live in it. It was awesome. And <laughs> I traveled the country and like visited friends and, and family that I hadn't seen in a while and ended up in California. And I gave that a shot, you know, building and creating a restaurant and, um, you know, hiring staff and, and all that. It was, it was really fun to build a team. And at the same time, um, there was still this huge pattern in me of self-destruction mm. um, around, you know, 
kind of substance um, and, and how I was taking things into my system. And I think one of the gifts of my, my dad passing was that it gave me the opportunity to take a pause and zoom out and look at and ask these big questions like, what is life? Who am I? How do I want to show up in mm. my life? And the reality is I don't have an answer. You know, it's not like, okay, I found it. Now I'm going to run with that. But it's given me an appreciation for asking those questions and, and listening for answers along the way. And um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the undertone um, of Yitzera and how, how we represent ourselves as a team and as a, as a company and, and community in that sense. Um, and as far as the food part goes, I literally spent time like not cooking ever again. That's what I convinced myself of. Uh. So I would go out and eat or I would go over to people's houses and I literally made myself sick. My body was sick. I like, there was a point when for like two months, I couldn't actually eat anything. I was like so challenged. I would overcook squash and sweet potatoes and just take like little bites. Mm. This is how like intense it got for me. And I realized like there's, I, I felt so broken that like I literally had to cook for myself. And yet this whole psychology of like, I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> was going on. It was so intense. Right. Maybe it was, I don't want to do this for everyone but myself, but it's time to take care of myself. Totally. And yeah. that, and you know, that's a great, that's a great point because I think in a lot of ways, what was coming up for me was how do I love myself with this gift of nourishing myself? Yeah. You have these wonderful skills and, ta you know, talent of cooking and you're the one person that really can benefit the most from it, right? And you were denying yourself that for a time. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so then it transitioned into um, creating a garden at my house and learning the, the importance of fresh food and what is that like? And I, I went, you know, I went to places in Arizona for like a juice detox and I, you know, tried raw and I tried vegan and, you know, I was like going and exploring these different things to see like, what's my body saying around this? And at the time I had been, I had chosen to be completely clean and sober. So I wasn't doing any, any sort of drug or, or alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. um, so my body was like really tuned in. It was like as if life is in HD. You know, everything is just like super vibrant. Um, and so that's, uh, that's, been, that's, that's been the process for me is coming back to it in a new way. And how do I share this with people? Um, you know, it, I even not too long ago, six, eight months ago, I went and, uh, and I applied for a restaurant job in LA. It was at a, it was at a, a plant-based uh, plant restaurant. Um, top spot. And I just went into stage and, and interview and see what that was like. And I just realized like, that's not the scene that I mm. want to create. There's something right. more to literally teaching and sharing with people how to do this. So like when I had a client ask me if I could coach him in the kitchen, it was like, fuck yes. Let's yeah. do that. That's like one-on-one, -on -one, super intimate. We get to work through this together. 
and I get to share with you that we can just have fun. It doesn't actually matter. You know, so much of like the, the culinary world was pressuring me and I was pressuring other people to be at this level and maintain the standard of the plate. What, you know, they all need to look the same and you're basically mm -hmm. striving for perfection when we really know that it's not actually possible. So <laughs> it's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So you mentioned your relationship with food and, um, and also relationships with other people. So, you know, we talked about your, you know, the passing of your father opened you up some, and then you were able to find this community. So building those relationships, how, tell me how the, the relationships with people changed your relationship with substance, with, mm. with whatever that, you know, fill in the blank substance. Um, how did, how has that changed and how have you been able to pass that along to others? That is a great question. Oh, I think it's definitely a, uh, a work in progress. <laughs> mm. Um, there's no, I haven't, I haven't quote unquote figured that out yet. And, uh, and at the same time, I think my observation of it is, who I and who we spend time with uh, reflects who we are choosing to be. Yes. And so, um, you know, in, in the context of drug and alcohol abuse, like the people in which I chose to live that life with are just no longer in my life. And it's, right. it, it, that was a hard transition for me. And at the same time, it's, it's not out of hate of them. It's out of this choice and love for myself that this is no longer a choice that I'm, that I'm choosing to make. Um, right. So in the context of relationship, I think that that really is the foundation of how, do we, how are we choosing to show up because the people around us are reflecting who we are. Hmm. and how we actually are choosing to show up. And so like, um, I don't know if I totally answered that question. Is there anything else in there? <laughs> I think you did. I, I mean, it's so talking about like who, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with. I can't remember the, whose quote this is at the moment. It's somebody big and I should know who this is. But it's, you know, the, we are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Hmm. And so I've been very conscious of that in recent months, especially, and like even noting it every month when I do my monthly review, I look back and, and write down the five people I spent the most time with and the five people I want to spend the most time with this month and making a conscious effort to put more of the more positive people in my life and steering away from the negativity because yeah, it is a reflection. And even if I'm not purposely trying to, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not purposeful about it and wanting to be around those positive people and those positive experiences, I'm going to end up in the negativity because that's what's around me. And I can, I can be in that for a little while and I can love people that are negative and for short periods of time. But after a while being around that is, it doesn't matter if I love them or not, I'm not loving myself. So I have to step away from that sometimes and, and go towards a positive. And when those situations don't exist, I create them. You know, I find ways to make that happen so that I'm in that more positive mindset 
That's what podcasts do for me. And Mm. that's what reading books does for me and creating or joining mastermind groups, you know, just being in the space of people that are all like-minded, even if I can't have a direct conversation with them, I can listen to it or I can read it and still get that, that feedback or that, um, that energy that I want to also reflect in my own life. Yeah, that's really cool. I appreciate that. Cause I, I think this is something that I, uh, this is why I practice, uh, like in my own home space, I don't have television or, or any sort of, uh, media in that sense. And, Great. um, and then even on the walls, like on my refrigerator next to my bed, uh, next to the mirror in my bathroom, up on my wall in my office, like I have these things that I choose to live by, these mantras and, um, and you know, ideas and visions so that I can constantly check in. That's kind of my, my media marketing <laughs> for me. Yeah, sure. You know? And so um, this is something that I work with clients on all the time is how can, how can you surround yourself with that? And ultimately it takes uh, really submerging yourself in it. And what right. does that look like for you? Right. Is there a particular mantra that you'd like to share with us that's kind of ingrained in your, in your mind? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Well, okay. So I'll say this. Um, huh. One that I have right now is, uh, is I am relentless. And uh, the reason that I'm using that is because uh, in order to be the leader that I'm choosing to be in my life and in my business, um, I think that it takes a level of perseverance and focus. Mm. And so um, in the context of being relentless, uh, you know, there's, there are these other mantras kind of under it, like, what, what do I feel like when I am relentless? And some of that is like feeling sexy <laughs> and feeling important, mm-hmm. feeling big, uh, feeling grounded. Um, these are, these are kind of, these are things that I, that I have on my wall. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I monthly too, I try to come up with an affirmation each month and then post that on my whiteboard. So I have that to look at and just make it part of my thinking for that month. Mm. And, and, you know, sometimes I keep it up for a few months because it's, it's something I need to continue to immerse myself in. So. Cool. What are some other things you do, Ben? Um, uh, a lot of times the morning routine can be important for people to stay in a healthy mindset. Are there things that you do in your morning routine or any sort of routine you have that keeps you in check? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I always wake up early, uh, at least 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Um, there are days where, you know, if I've traveled or something and I need to sleep in, I'll listen to my body for that. Um, but on a, on a general basis, I wake up, um, I usually say a couple of mantras, even like I am love, um, I am relentless, those kinds of things. Hmm. Uh, in my journal, I always write down three, sometimes I go off on a whole riff and it's a journal entry, so to speak, but oftentimes Hmm. I just work, I, I will write three words of gratitude, um, to start my day. And then I always go into some sort of movement. Uh, that seems to be such a powerful tool for me. So whether it's going for a hike, doing some yoga, jump rope, uh, I love to ride my bike and I get pretty 
relentless <laughs> around mm. that. So there's, there's kind of a fun aggression that comes out of me when I get to ride my bike and, yeah. um, and that feels, that feels like a really good release. Um, and then I go into like ice cold shower and, you know, at this stage in my life, I've gone from like clean shaven every day to like super hairy, long beard dreads <laughs> to now I'm like back to clean shaven, short hair and, you know, I'm digging it. So shaving is definitely a part of my morning ritual and I yeah. love it. You know, it's like the shaving cream and it's like a new start every day, right? Literally, it's a clean start every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh and also I have I have altars in different rooms in my house and the one in, in my kitchen, which is kind of also the community space. Um I, I light a candle and I give thanks and hmm. every once in a while if I have somebody in my space or something that I feel heavy with in the morning, I'll sage sage the house as well. Um just kind of do a little clearing and give intention around that. So mm -hmm. um and then I and then I start my day, whatever that is. Sometimes it's a meeting or a travel or um, working with a coach, uh, with a client, or um, yeah, whatever's on the whatever's on the the agenda. <laughs> nice. Now I know a lot of people talk about the morning routine, but what I don't hear anybody talk about is the evening routine. Do you have anything that you end your day with that's a good way to kind of wipe everything clear for the day so you can get a good night's sleep? and start fresh the next day yeah it's great um yes uh the one thing i do want to add before i get into that is yeah. um another main intention of mine is uh is nourishment through the day so mm. i uh i'm very conscious of the food that i put in my body especially because of how sensitive my body is now so if i even if i feel like i want to go get a pizza and i do i feel that you know, yeah. and there's a, there's a kind of a gravity to that. So part of my routine is, is making sure that I have ingredients at my house, um, and prepping and something that I talk a lot about is like cooking once and eating twice, you know, really being able to make enough food where I don't, if I am hungry, I don't have to go cook every time. Right. That's uh, a great way to do that so that you're not getting, stuck in the decision of what am I going to eat when you're super hungry and then going to a not, not as healthy choice. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's another part of my day and I, and I actually schedule some of that stuff and oftentimes it flexes around, you know, but I will literally put in my calendar, like it's lunchtime, it's dinner time, it's breakfast time, right. you know, those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, Sometimes we need to do the, the smallest scheduling, like the smallest thing like that on a schedule to keep remembering to take care of ourselves and you do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My, my nighttime ritual, this is great. Um, I have, uh, I always turn my phone off. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do my best to not have any extra light in the room as well. Um, yeah. I, my windows are always open so that in the morning when the light does come in, that's when I wake up. Mm. But as far as like any sort of iPad or phone or any of that thing, even my phone with the alarm, I put it, I turn it off on airplane mode, but I put it face down so that it's not shining any light on me in, in that way. Right. And uh, I oftentimes will touch my toes before I get into bed um, and just give thanks. Really, like I'm always amazed by every day. 
there's so many different crazy things that happen. What is touching your toes? What is that all about when you touch yeah, your toes? Yeah, a good question. I, I don't know where that started, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I feel like I feel like it's a gift to be able to touch my toes. It is. I, can, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> right on. Like not without a lot of effort or bending of the knees. Yeah. Yeah. You know, meditation is also a really big part of my life. And it's not always in the context of, um, you know, legs crossed, candle lit, altar sitting and and that kind of a thing. But sometimes I'm just like in my car (laughs) before a meeting Mm. Um, or, uh, you know, this is kind of where it came up was like sometimes at, you know, at bedtime. I don't read before I go to bed. I've tried that, but oftentimes I just go to sleep, you know, yeah. right as I start reading. So, um, but I'll, I'll just close my eyes and, and sit up in bed and, and, uh, and take a couple of, t- take a couple of breaths and, and mm. sit with that. So even, even the team that I'm, that I'm working with, um, with, with Yetzera stuff, like we sit in meditation, we do check-ins, you know, this mm. is a big part of, we're we're creating a lifestyle brand of sorts um and so in order for that to be authentic we live what we do <laughs> it's not like uh we're just telling you something i truly believe that energetically how we show up is how it ripples out into the world so. yeah i know any meeting i've ever sat in that has a prayer or a meditation to start the meeting and end the meeting is such different energy and so much more productive. And we take that time and space to just quiet our minds and be thankful before we start going into the, into the weeds of, you know, like a board meeting type situation. (laughs) It can be really useful to start and end a meeting with that, with that energy intention. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing. So Ben, um, what, how are you using meditation? Like you mentioned, you know, you can do it anywhere in your car or whatever. What does that look like for you? And what tools do you use to kind of be gentle with yourself and allow for that time and space to meditate? (sighs) Well, there's one tool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Breathing. Yeah. Just a good deep breath. Yes. Um, Honestly, it, it is a practice, you know, it's something that, I feel really grounded in right now. And at the same time, it's not something that uh, I've ever perfected. So I think the more that I, that I continue to discipline my mind and um, bring awareness to it throughout my meditation practice and throughout my life and my day to day, it allows for me to grow in a direction that I'm choosing to grow in. And so, um, you know, I've gone through meditation workshops and retreats and, and I continue to do this, you know, uh, early October, I'm going to a four day silent meditation here in, in upstate New York. And so for me, I think what it's done is it's allowed for me to understand how powerful silence is. Hmm. There's something in the silence. There is a, there is a language spoken that um that isn't heard or spoken in the context that we know language to be spoken or heard in Mm. and uh it feels soul connecting so i i have learned and am learning how awesome that is Mm. um and and 
when I say awesome, it's not always fun or pleasant. (laughs) You know, Uh, know, I think even in a meeting, like you're talking about in a board meeting or, or some sort of a coaching session or something like that, silence can oftentimes feel really awkward. Yes. Like as if there's something that needs to be said, but just sitting in that feels really powerful. This is what this is the practice of meditation um, has allowed me to become more and more comfortable with that space of silence. And, you know, my breath feels like the tool in life. Mm. You know, I mean, it's, it is, it's my life force. It's how I survive. It's how I am me in this bend body. So to breathe in and exhale out intentionally is is how i want to live my life i love it yeah i the the breathing is something that i have become more aware aware of over time especially when i do a guided meditation and the first thing they do is have you breathe and just that alone i can fall asleep to a meditation just in three breaths <laughs> just mm. because of the intention of those breaths and just focusing on that and just taking that time to do that and feel that and forget about everything else. All you're focused on is your breath and other things might come in, but you just keep coming back to the breath always. Mm. So you, you're, you're 29 years old. You've done all these amazing things and, you know, had ups and downs and all different things. What, what is Ben's next big adventure? Do you have anything? Um, yet Sarah, it sounds like you're growing and you're doing stuff with, um, what, what do you see Ben doing that, mm. that, you know, that's going to take you to the next stage that you want to be in? Mm. I mean, in the, in the now moment, the, the adventure of uh, creating these dining experiences is, uh, is, is right here and alive for me. Mm. Um, and I think uh, what that is going to allow for me specifically to do is to listen and hear and speak and share with um with a community of people that are attracted to this yes and so i think that that's something that um i'm excited about i'm also nervous you know there's definitely nerves in there Mm. uh of just like how is that gonna happen and are they gonna like it and you know all of that stuff is is real I wish uh, I was in New Jersey. I would come to your dinner. Maybe you can do one here. Yeah, <laughs> come out yeah, this way and do a dinner. <laughs> I would love to. Let's talk about I'll it. I'll get yeah, a party would, together. That <laughs> yeah. would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my, my next step, and, and I don't think it's, you know, tomorrow next step, but my, you know, my dream is to create a, a facility, a, a place, a home, really. Mm for people to come and immerse themselves in this lifestyle. Yeah. Um, There's a bigger vision to even that vision, but I feel like that's, that's really what I'm, that's what I'm moving towards. Yeah. No pun intended uh, (laughs) is, is to find and create a a home space that, uh, that allows for people to connect with nature um, and to move their bodies and, and eat and learn and, um, and be authentic, you know, and, and something that's, that's really important is, is intergenerational connection. Yeah. You know, the, the amount that, um, 
that we learn from children and the amount that we learn from adults is, um, is tremendous. And how do we, how do we bring those together without it being like you are immature or you are old, but really appreciating that. Right. Um, And that's, that's the goal and intention of creating these dining experiences that feels, you know, in the context of this small enough to, Mm -hmm. to plant the seed. And, um, and at the same time, I look forward to welcoming people into this home space where they get a chance to live it, be it, breathe it, and feel supported when they're outside of it as well. Because Yeah, uh, and then where they can bring that out into their everyday life and share that and spread that to other people. Yeah, totally. That's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ben, you've used the word, uh, we've, you know, I've heard the word a lot in this conversation, authentic. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that is to you and how others might um, uh, get that feeling for themselves? Mm. <laughs> I, I guess um, one, one phrase that comes with authenticity is showing up. And uh, what I mean by that is like, in order for us to be authentic, I feel as though we need to show up in our Mm -hmm. lives. There is no definition to that, which is very hard. That's why I'm challenged by (laughs) (laughs) the answer. I feel like it is different for everybody. Right. And And I do believe that that is the beauty of us being humans is that we are all different and at the same time we're all connected and so authentic wow how do i answer that it's it's a it's a way in which we choose to show up in our lives and for me authenticity comes from a deep listening inside Mm -hmm. myself and really like appreciating and listening to what I'm hearing inside myself yeah, and and then articulating that outward authentically, you know, Mm. so authenticity comes from deep within ourselves, which may even come from a deeper place of like spirit or God or, you know, this higher power or source that, that people speak of. Yeah. Um, As far as like, how do we show up authentically in our lives? It's a matter of, of, awareness and and being being authentic i don't know wow that's such a trippy question Um, (laughs) i think you're doing a great job answering it though (laughs) i don't know if i could have done it as eloquently as you but the the idea of listening to the voice inside of you which from all the things you've been talking about where you get quiet you breathe and do things that are true to you and be able to share that out because sometimes we might have a knowing We've maybe taken that time in meditation and we've listened and we have that knowing, but we're not ready to share that out and Mm. to be real about who we are and what we think or feel or want to do about certain things. And so I think authenticity from from what you're saying and what I'm reflecting back to what you've said just now is that it's getting those messages, giving yourself that space and time to understand what real is for you or what, what you're really feeling or what you really want to share with the world and then doing that and showing up 
and giving right. that to other people so that they can in turn do that for themselves. I think so many times where everything around us is just kind of surface, you know, we go on social media and see these people with these per- seemingly perfect lives are going on vacations and, you know, having these amazing things happen, their dinner, you know, their wonderful dinner that they just had prepared at a restaurant for them. They're sharing this information on Facebook, but they're not sharing all the stuff that goes behind it. So there's this false sense of everybody has this great life except for me. This is what I should want because it's what everyone else is doing but not taking the time to find out what that is for you and what is real and what matters and then sharing that out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think people really respond to authenticity and to the real person being shared rather than the facade. And I don't mean like share every complaint or every bad thing that ever happened to you. That's not what Mm -hmm. I mean either. That can be just as (laughs) polarizing, I think, but just sharing, you know, who you really are, the message that, you know, who you are and sharing that with everyone, I think is authenticity. Does that sound about what you were saying? I think that's that's what you were saying. (laughs) Yeah, you fed that back very nicely. Thanks. Thanks for that. I felt, Yeah. yeah, I felt. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's where you've come to with Yetzera is you're sharing that, you know, you've kind of taken the culmination of everything you've done over your 29 years and you're putting it into this thing that you can share and make available for others. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the greatest gift in life is sharing and giving and serving others and that is like wow the mm. the richness in that is uh it's never ending i mean the amount of lessons and experiences that we go through in that journey it, itself is unbelievable yeah. everything from philanthropy to uh you know holding the door for somebody <laughs> right uh, even the smallest thing it's amazing and so how how do we how do we do this and and this is a question that I, that, yeah, has definitely allowed for, uh, you know, Yitzhara is the, the business context of it, but ultimately this is the root of it, is, um, is sharing and relationships. So, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Ben, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners that you just authentically want to share? <laughs> I really appreciate this. You know, this is a great opportunity for me to practice sharing and mm-hmm. talking and really um, so much of, of the work that I'm doing right now is writing and working with people one-on-one. And this, is, this feels like a cool opportunity to broaden that horizon, that spectrum of, of people that may hear this. So I definitely want to give thanks and gratitude to you, Emily. Um, really, uh, thanks for holding the space. Uh, thank you. Great interview. Um, and, um, I look forward to seeing how, uh, how this all unfolds. Yeah. So Ben, if, um, someone wants to reach you after this podcast episode, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I think the best, the best thing is, uh, follow us. We have a, an Instagram, uh, cultivate your awesome and, uh, and our website, there's, uh, events will be posted up on there. Uh, as well as uh, the ability to get tickets and sign up for coaching um, and, and contact in that way. And the website is ytsera.com. That's ytsera.com. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on Choice Happens. And I think we're going to check back with you later and find out how your evolution is going and what new things you're up to. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. All right, thanks, Ben.
Peace. Thanks for listening to the Choice Happens podcast. For more inspiration, go to choicehappens.com. Until next time, think, choose, do, be awesome.